Good morning, everyone. Uh, the scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and Exodus 10, 21 through 23. First this, God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness and inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. God spoke light and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day, he named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning, day one. God said to Moses, stretch your hand to the skies. Let darkness descend on the land of Egypt, a darkness so dark you can touch it. Moses stretched out his hand to the skies. Thick darkness descended on the land of Egypt for three days. Nobody could see anybody. For three days, no one could so much as move, except for the Israelites. They had light where they were living. The word of the Lord. Uh, hey, everybody. Brittany and her fiance Ryan are getting married five weeks from today, y'all. Big time. I'm right on that, right? Five weeks from today. That's what Ryan said. Uh, so I'm going to blame it on him if, uh, if that was wrong. Uh, so that's exciting. And uh, as Terry alluded to, we are in the season of Eastertide. So Easter is not just a day, it's a season. It's 50 days long. And uh, normally, uh, we follow the rhythms of the church. Well, we always follow the rhythms of the church calendar, but normally we follow the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the series of readings that takes us through the whole story of God in three years, and it's beautiful. And, but uh, over the last several months, uh, as I have been thinking and talking to uh, the folks that lead things around here, we really sensed that it was time to go through these seven days called the beginnings and look back to see how our church started and look forward to see where we're going. But also that so you can see in your own life with more clarity and more focus the kinds of new beginnings that God is inviting you into. Uh, so many times I think we just get moving so fast that we can't see uh, where God is inviting us into and what new beginnings God has for us and how that relates to our spiritual journey. So we're going to take these next seven weeks to do it, and uh, I'm very excited about that. So uh, one of my favorite phrases in all of the scriptures is found right in those first five verses, and the phrase is tohu vavohu. You can also pronounce it tohu wabohu if you want to. The, you know, the, the, the theologians are split on how to pronounce it. So tohu vavohu or tohu wabohu, whatever you choose. It is the sense of inky blackness and the soup of nothingness, the watery abyss that was before creation existed. So, in the beginning of time, before time was time, what do we see in the first five verses of Genesis chapter one? That's an all play question. What do we see? Something, Something is right. Let's get a little more specific. What do we see? Okay, creation. Before creation, we see darkness. So paradox is introduced into the scriptures on day one. We see darkness. What else do we see? We see light. 
This is my boys, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, we'll discuss later. We'll discuss later. We'll discuss over lunch. Lots of stuff. <laughs> what do we see? We see watery abyss. What do we see? What else do we see? Chaos. God's spirit brooding over the chaos. And so right before creation, we see presence. The spirit of God is hovering over the tohu vavohu. Now, tohu vavohu means chaos. It means blackness. It means darkness. It means mis that mysterious something that exists before order comes. So tohu vavohu can be that phone call you got last night saying that your mom fell. And now you don't know whether she is concussed or whether she will be okay. Tohu vavohu is finding out that you're pregnant. Tohu vavohu is finding out that you'll never get pregnant. Tohu vavohu is waiting for a new job, for a relationship, for a conflict to resolve. Tohu vavohu is what exists in our lives when we can't see what we want to see. Amen? What do we see in tohu vavohu? That's an all-play question. Fear. We see fear. We see nothing. We see impatience. <laughs> what does your impatience look like? I know what mine looks like. What does your impatience look like? Uncertainty. Uncertainty. Say it again. Jenny, wrestling. Thank you. You have no idea what's going to happen. Thank you, Isaac. Nine-year-old wisdom right there. Angst. Say more, Bob. The tearing apart inside of you because you want to control something that you can't. George, you said something? Frustration. So all those things we can see in the inky blackness. Isn't that fascinating? What does it mean that in the very beginning of the Holy Scriptures, we find a story about darkness and light and seeing things and not seeing things? What does it mean that darkness exists before anything else does? In the Hebrew, darkness is chosek. Everybody say chosek. You guys got to say it with like that chosek. And light is or, O-R, or. Okay? So we're going to talk about darkness and light. Uh, Genesis is almost three years old. And we went through a whole lot of tohu vavohu in the very beginning. In the very beginning, uh, I met with many of you, one-on-one -on -one and two-on-one, and I invited you into uh, this church that didn't have a building, didn't have a location, didn't have any service times, didn't have any people yet, and I'm looking at each of you. We met at our house, we met at Starbucks, um, we met at our house, and, and I invited you to consider joining this thing that was inky blackness. I had a piece of paper 
that had values on it and vision on it that Mary and I had carefully gone through. But it was mostly just mystery. Join us on a journey of mystery. And the crazy thing is, many of you said, all right, I'm in. Um, and some of you, I remember meeting with Doug and Abby at, at, at our house, and we invited them, would you please like, consider joining our church? And they laughed at us. They're like, oh, we already said yes. I'm like, yeah, but there, isn't, there wasn't a church to say yes to yet. They're like, I know, but we're in. And now, three years later, we've been meeting at this Jewish community center for three years, and we are looking to move. We don't know where yet. We've been looking like crazy. We've been praying like crazy. But we just sense that God is saying it is time to go somewhere as a people so that you can become something as a people. So where are we? Back in the tohu vavohu. Any control freaks out there? How do you like tohu vavohu control freaks? <laughs> Just grumbling. <laughs> tohu vavohu. Terrible. Bring on the clarity. Um, I remember sitting with people and asking them to be a part of this church plant. Pretty soon, and you're going to find out more about this in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about a church plant that we're doing. Not just the church plant that we're supporting financially, but a church plant that we're doing. People that we're sending from Genesis. A pastor that we're sending from Genesis. Yeah, baby. And it's like some people look around and go, you're not even three yet. That's totally crazy. And we totally agree with that. Because we're kind of comfortable back in the tohu vavohu, and we have to trust in the brooding spirit of God to lead us. That's where we're actually at our best. We're actually at our worst when everything is like buttoned down and nailed down, and we got, you know, we, get, we, we know what's coming next. Um, I remember sitting across the table from people and asking, if you're going to be a part of this church, you need to commit financially to this church. And I remember, I mean, those of you that remember, I asked you to write down a number that you would give in your first year, because I said, we have to budget, we have to know what we're doing, and you need to make a commitment. And I was so, like, nervous to do that, but you're like, yeah, that makes total sense. And people wrote down numbers. And, and now we're heading into year four as a church. We're about to turn three, which means we're moving into our fourth year. And we're, um, our outside support, planfully, is going away. So more on this later. We are going to be asking you to consider your financial commitment to this church in maybe a new way so that we can launch into new beginnings. So... The creation story found in Genesis 1, we're going to argue over these next seven weeks, is not just a historical moment in time. It's themes of Scripture that shoot out all throughout the life of God's people. 
and they're still shooting out now. That new beginnings aren't just for one time in your life, but they're over and over and over again. You find yourself over and over and over frustratingly in the tohu vavohu, and you look for God's light to come. So that's why we're stepping away from the lectionary for Eastertide, but we really believe this, this series is very much of an Eastertide series. It's all about new beginnings. So let's go to Exodus 10, 21 through 23. That's the second passage that Brittany uh, wrote. And so, or read. She didn't write it. Did you write it, Brittany? Because that was amazing writing. Amazing writing. <laughs> Exodus 10. Uh, the story is that Moses is back in Egypt. He is trying to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, where they've been enslaved for four hundred years, and God has brought plagues to Egypt. Crazy stuff. The, the water in the Nile turned to blood, then frogs blanketed the land, then there was biting insects, and then we read there was flies in the fifth plague. But as you do more research on that, it maybe was flies, but it could have been scorpions, which is a lot worse for me than flies. Like flies are like, ah, ah, scorpions? Hello. The livestock die, people get boils all over, the, hail destroys everything, locusts come in. And then the ninth plague, which is what Brittany read, is what? Darkness, chosek. This is the very first time that this word chosek is used since Genesis 1. So that tells you something. Okay, Bible geeks. What does it tell you if Genesis 1, Chosek, gets interrupted all the way in Exodus 10? The children of Israel have been enslaved for 400 years, trapped in Tohu Vavohu. What does it mean that Chosek is used? Another new beginning's coming. Thanks, Pam. Here we go. And um, so Chosek Masash means a darkness that you can explore with your hands. It says in, in Exodus 10 that the ninth plague caused a darkness so dark that literally a man couldn't see his brother. That's dark. What does it mean? This is an all-play question. What does it mean when a man or a woman can't see his brother or sister? It's so dark. It is. It's so dark. What else? Thank you, Jenny. There's a brokenness in relationship. Too busy to see our neighbor or listen to them. Say it again, Ben. What does it mean when we can't see each other? Fear. You're too busy. Nice job. Whoa, can't even recognize that they're your brother. Here's an all-play question. Who are our brothers and sisters? Yes. Everyone. Now, that comes off the tongue pretty easily, right? Everyone. <laughs> but what about when I was driving last night, and 
Mary and I were talking, and there was like these yellow things, cones in the road, and then there was this very confusing, I get off here, or do I not get off here? And I was like, ah! And so I went to the left, and there was someone behind me that didn't like my move. And that's all right, you know? One or two honks are probably like, eh, eh, hey, just, I'm, I'm here. But it was like the dance of horns, like, you know, I'm like, okay, guilty, thank you, thank you, be here all, be here for seven weeks. <laughs> Everybody is our neighbor, except for those jerks, right? And that's just people we drive next to. <laughs> okay, no kidding. I, we were at picking my kids up at school, and I was taking longer than I should have to like, move forward. And, and someone like leaned on the horn right behind me, and then I kind of like turned around. And it was totally someone I knew. And they're like, I just honked at the pastor. So I went, <laughs> pulled out my cross. I didn't. I laughed. <laughs> so the main problem in, in Exodus 10 was that the Egyptians and the Israelites weren't seeing each other as brothers and sisters. And so, one, the empire was on top, and the slaves were on the bottom. And so God heard the cries of the people that were enslaved and sent Moses in to bring them out. Now, an interesting part of Exodus 10 is that we read that even though there was so much darkness in the land that a man couldn't see his brother, we read that somehow there was light where the Israelites lived. Guess what the word for light there is? Or. So we have Hosek and we have Or again reuniting. We know that there's going to be a new beginning. We know that there's going to be uh, the presence of God separating the light out from the darkness. So we read in Genesis 1-3, God spoke, light and light appeared, and God saw that the light was good. So what do we see? In that sentence, God saw that the light was good. It was good light. We are taught how to see in Genesis 1 verse 3. And on day one, when God says, let there be light, the invitation for us is to learn how to see. When people can't see each other, we're back in day one, and we need the light of God to show us what it means to see. Now, there's this fascinating story in the Gospel of John chapter 9, and it starts with uh, Jesus notices a man who had been born blind. And so his disciples ask, who sinned? that this man should be born blind. And Jesus was like, wrong question. 
he said, no one sinned. But, and then he gives something even more mysterious. He goes, this man was born blind so that the, so that the works of God might be put on display. Like, well, that's kind of, that raises all kinds of questions for me. But he says to the man who was born blind, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means to be sent. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So this guy goes and washes in the pool of Siloam because what else are you going to do if you've been blind since birth and you're sitting at the outside of the city gates? You're going to try some stuff, right? So he goes, he washes, he can see. And then everyone in the community was like, who is this new guy? Literally, that's what they said. Who's the new guy in town? And the guy's like, it's me. I, but only now I can see. Because Jesus, this rabbi, healed me. And they're like, eh, it looks like you, but I'm not sure if it is you. <laughs> and he's like, seriously? It's me. And then they pull in his parents, the religious leaders. They're like, okay, is this really your son? Because he's claiming to be the same guy that was blind the whole time. But we're not sure, because now he can see. And his parents go, not sure what happened. Talk to the rabbi. And so this debate goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And all that the guy that now can see says is, I don't know what happened. Just I used to be blind. Now I can see. And the rabbi healed me. That's what I know. Do you, he asked the religious leaders, would you like to become disciples of this rabbi too? <laughs> and then he got kicked out of the community. <laughs> Not kidding. He got kicked out of the community. So in John 9, Jesus is bringing back the themes of darkness and light that we saw in Genesis 1 and Exodus 10. Only now he's saying the people that claim to see the religious leaders are blind. And the people that are blind, I will make see. There's a whole new order of lightness and darkness, Jesus is saying. And I have come, when I, uh, he, he, he says this, when I am on the earth, I am the light of the world. When I am on the earth, I am the or of the world. I am the new beginning of the world. I separate light from darkness. So who is this guy that says that? Who is Jesus? Son of God, God himself, say it again, God himself, the son that created earth, thank you Ben, Bob, the essence of God, the ambassador, is that what you said, someone, the lamb, So Jesus is just continuing the arc of light that began in Genesis 1 with a word. And God spoke, let there be light. What is the word of God? Thank you. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus brings light. 
when we can't see our brother. So one of the things we're going to do in this series is we're going to highlight a value. We have, there's seven days of creation. We have seven values. And the value that is associated with day one is the value of attentiveness. Attentiveness. This is what we say about attentiveness, attentiveness here at Genesis. We believe God is actively at work at all times, places, making all things new. Because we want to join that work, we'll spend time praying for and seeking a restored way of seeing, hearing, and sensing God, each other, and our own souls. I'm going to read that again. Attentiveness means that we believe God is actively at work at all times places, and places, always making all things new. Because we want to join God in that work, we'll spend time praying for and seeking a restored way of seeing, hearing, and sensing God, each other, and our own souls. So day one is all about recognizing what it is that we're seeing and what it is that we're not seeing. As we enter into our own tohu vavohu, our own times of waiting, our own times of chaos, and you can name them like in your journal or to your roommate or to your brother or sister or to your spouse, I encourage you to do that. Name some of the tohu vavohu, but also name some of the tohu vavohu that exists in our society right now. Some of the craziness, some of the chaos, some of the darkness, some of the inky blackness. And then begin to pray this radical prayer. God, help me to see what I really need to see. Help me to see the brothers and sisters that I need to see so that I can move into the new beginning that God is bringing for our world. Because we have to believe that, amen? That if the Jesus that spoke light into the world at the beginning and again in the new beginning that we talked about last week at Easter, then Jesus is making all things new. And we can join Jesus in that work, but we can't do it if we remain blind. So one of the first things to do is just admit the blindness, right? I can't see what I need to see. And then ask God. The prayer for day one is this. God, help me to see what I really need to see. So that Genesis can see what we need to see so that we can join God in that work. And that means like about location. So we've been praying. <laughs> this is so awesome, you guys. <laughs> Woo, a little tohu vavohu in here right now. <laughs> Love kids. When it, when it relates to our move, our location, whenever that is, wherever that is, you need to know that one of the dimensions of that move is asking God for us to see what we need to see so that we can go where we need to go. Not just like, well, there's an interesting looking building and it's right in our target demographic and there we go. So that means that must be for us. It means saying, God, where are you taking us and what do you need to cause us to see so that we can go where you're sending us to go? Amen? And then, as it relates to church planting, and as it relates to our kids in our community, what do we need to see so that we can raise kids that love Jesus and want to serve God in the world? 
What do we need to see? What do we need to hear? And if we could become a people that learn to listen to each other and to God and to our own souls long enough to where we can discern where it is that God is taking us. That doesn't mean we'll be in the safest place. Have you ever heard that phrase like, the center of God's will is the safest place on planet Earth, right? It's like on one level, totally. But as I read the Bible, like if you follow God into where God is taking you, a lot of things could happen. (laughs) A lot of things could happen. But I would like to be on the adventure of actually hearing God and seeing people how God sees them. And that's why this church was started. Rob Bell says this, the only faith that is worth having is a faith that can handle the full range of human human experience. So if we're going to follow God into where God has us, individually and as a church, we're going to need to process all of the whole human range of human experiences we're going to have to process. So what does Genesis need to see? What do you need to see so that you can move into that which is good in your life? What do you need to see? I invite you to pray that prayer this week. God, help me to see what I need to see and help us to see what we really need to see. So we're going to move into 60 seconds of silence. Mostly silence. (laughs) Where we're going to invite God to speak to you maybe around what you need to see or who knows. Maybe it's just noticing the love that God has for you. Maybe that's all it is. Just notice God's love for you. And then uh, I'll lead through the prayers of response, and then Scott will lead us through the Eucharist. Holy Spirit, come speak to us now.